Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends, the question we're answering today is, can I be a snowflake in the Royal Marines? And uh, look, da-na, da-na, da-na. well, thanks to my Patreons, uh, see the link in if, if you're interested in joining the team, my Patreons have been helping me put together, put the podcast together. And we've managed to buy some new equipment. So thank you very much for that. Right. Can I be a snowflake in the Royal Marines? Um, I've got a few notes here. What's it all about then? Well, I gather it's an army campaign. Is it an army recruiting campaign? See, I don't watch television. Um, you know, that's a subject for another day i i watch documentaries on on the internet on youtube and that sort of thing uh, i believe in education not indoctrination right but i gather it was it's been an army recruiting campaign um and just off the top of my head i can tell you what what it's about it's about the fact that um things are very different now for young people joining the forces right you have the value of the internet. When I joined, we didn't have that. We just had our parents' generation and, and the war the war generation before that supporting the kind of the thing I just told you that forces are all heroes and that war is glorious and that there's the world is full of bad guys and we've got to go and kill them all. Right? So when I joined, I was incredibly naive. I thought, wow, I'm going to go and put the world to rights, you know. Nowadays, it's not like that. Young people can research and they can find out what what these wars are about. They can find out if I join the forces, who, who, who am I working for? Because if you think it's, um, well, you know, if you think it's for the benefit of the British public, you're probably going to be surprised, right? Um. And in in essence, young people are saying, well, I don't want any of that shit. What, I go and invade someone else's country illegally and not only, you know, might I have to kill them, but I get my legs blown off while I'm there. Uh, <laughs> nah, that, that ain't the deal, right? You know, that, that that's in essence what it is. So... The forces that were the army in particular, I think, have been struggling to recruit. And the Marines is affected in exactly the same way. And I can tell you why. Now, what they've done is they're trying to make the military appear more accessible to people of difference, right? You know... Difference is the wrong word because people aren't different. We're, we're all individual. Difference is great. But there hasn't always been a place for that difference in the military. So in essence, the question, can I join the Marines if I'm a snowflake, is yeah, 
course you can. If you pass the training and you pass the commander tests and you get to wear the, the green berry, absolutely, you know. But the question is, is A, would you pass them? Would you even get that far? B, like if that's your nature, what? Why would you want to do the job that I've just described, right? Um, see, Marines are generally really nice guys. And I'm guessing the girl that's in now, she's really nice as well. Um, couldn't, give, couldn't give a damn if you're gay. You've probably seen Marines like wearing women's clothes. I'm not suggesting like transgender is gay or getting that confused. I'm just saying that difference is it's not not really been a massive issue. Um, I would say, though, that British forces, you are going to get subject to bullying. If you're different by certain individuals, right now in the Marines, bullying isn't as bad as it is in the regular army. I don't know. Do you remember deep cut? Was it like three recruits there or three serving um, soldiers shot themselves because they were getting bullied so badly? Don't quote me on that. You you can Google it. Deep cut barracks, right? Never that bad in the Marines, but there were some tossers in, in the Marines, right? Real tossers, you know, nasty bastards that just wanted to make your life miserable. Um Luckily, as I said before, I've just got that mentality. If you try that on me, I'm just going to punch you. You're probably going to beat me up, yeah, but I'm not going to take shit from you, right? Except for one guy. There was one guy, kind of like the only guy that bullied me in the forces or tried to. And he was nasty, so I just ignored him. And then my sergeant could see what was going on and he stepped in and he moved me into a different section and my life just became brilliant, right? I digress. So, when I was in, right, it was illegal to be gay in the forces. Against naval law, right? You probably think I'm joking. It's only since, I think, about two, the year 2000, when pressure was started to be piled on the forces. Like, why don't you let gay people in it? It's just clearly... I mean, there's logistical issues, of course, but, you know, it's it's still discrimination, whichever way you look at it, right? But, of course, were there gay people in the Marines? Yes. There was some. There was one guy I knew that everybody knew he was gay. It was, uh, right, even his nickname was a, was a gay nickname, right? Um, no one. I don't think anyone could give a damn, to be honest. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not confusing like this issue of being gay and snowflakes here. I'm talking about difference, right? And the forces are a cross section of society. Remember I said that. So of course you're going to have gay people. You're going to have shoplifters. When I was in, you know, few of us were, uh, stealing cars you're going to have people taking drugs you're going to have people beating their wives 
You're going to have people wearing their wives' clothes. One person on our married estate, the naval estate, was, uh, it was called the, the Peeping Tom. Because someone was going around looking in all the windows, right? <laughs> you got to laugh, haven't you? Well, not if he looks in your window, but... So, yeah, are they gay people? Yeah, of course there are, and... Many of us, like me, we just honestly couldn't give a damn. There's going to be some knobhead that's going to try and make your life miserable, but that's life, right? Um, so how do I know things have got easier and why have the standards been lowered? And I mean this is no criticism to my brothers who are serving now. It's just a fact. In fact, there's this thing that they say in the Marines. Oh, the older generation always say their time is harder. It's like, no, that's that's nonsense. It goes through waves depending on recruitment because it's the MOD in London that dictate how many people they need to join the Marines, right? You can't have three commander units if you can't have the men to go and fight in those units, right? It, the whole thing doesn't work. You need eight men in a section. You need four sections in a troop. You need three troops in a company. And I think now they have a support support weapons troop. So it's all a numbers game, right? So they'll be told, we need to recruit this many people this year. This many people will leave. This many people will get injured. This many people will fail, right? And with less people wanting to join, then the only choice they've got is either to up the advertising, which you can see they're spending a fortune on, right? Have you seen some of those Marines adverts now? They make it. You, they make it out you're going to all be going to Hollywood, right? Or they make it easier to pass out. And I can tell you in the Marines, right? Bit of inside information here. And it's very rare, but it happens. When you do your commander says, if you fail, you very often get taken around the course again by by a corporate on your own on the Sunday, right? You get like a last chance to, to, to pass. And kind of going to guess when you're on your own with that corporal, he's just looking for you to make the distance. He's probably not as strict on his watch as, as he would be had you been, say, doing the nine miler a few days before, right? It's the same. I happen to know with the swimming tests, people that haven't passed it, because they were drowned, you know, they were basically drowning. Couldn't couldn't keep their mouths above water with all the equipment on. Were allowed to ditch the weapons. And the PTI's like, fellas, look, ditch the weapon. If you can make it, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to sign you off, right? It's a very kind and brotherly thing to do. It's not about lowering standards. It's about understanding that, you know... If you come to be falling off a boat in full equipment in the Marines, you, the statistics of that happening is is probably more likely you're going to be in a car accident or something, right? Anyway, so that's that. But I went to, to Limpston uh, fairly recently, actually. I think it was earlier this... I think it was this summer. It might even have been last summer. Uh, yeah, last summer. My 30-year reunion... Of me and the boys that joined up 30 years ago, right? And I even got to do a speech in the, what we used to call the induction block. 
But because now that obviously induction is brainwashing, because that's what you are when you join the forces, you are brainwashed to go and kill because it's not a natural human kind of, you know, want to go and kill other people, right? You, they, you've got to be indoctrinated into that non-kind of thinking, right? So it's called the induction block. They change it now to foundation or, or something, right? I actually got to do a speech. We we were, we walked, we got invited into that place and and uh, the corporal in there said, "Do a, do you any you may want to talk to the guys?" So I thought, "Yeah, I'll have a go." And uh, despite what I think about the forces, I did tell them these boys don't fucking rap. Seriously, if you want to get your green berry and then just say sod this, I'm off. It's a load of crap, right? Absolutely fine. Do it. Because then you can go for the rest of your life wearing that thing, right? Knowing you earned it. Knowing that, you know, you made the grade. You've got no regrets. You imagine people get to like week 26 and then go, I miss my girlfriend. And they go home like four weeks from becoming a commando. Again, like I say, I'm not talking about the I'm not, you know, my recommendation, don't join the military, go and do something smart, you know, go and do something where you don't have to go and hurt people for money, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing, but I said to these boys, you know, just, just hang in there, you can quit when you're finished, right, but while we were there, I was really surprised at the, the things I saw, and I tell you, First of all, the way people dressed, it's all this kind of um, like hip, hipster, is it? Is that what you call it? Bit hipster, like the skinny jeans just look wrong. <laughs> no, I'm being old, right? But you know what I'm saying? These guys were walking. I mean, when I, when I was in, you wore ragged old jeans. You wore your fleece that you wore in Norway. And you wore desert boots. Everyone wore desert boots and they're all beer stained, right? That was it. That's how you could ping a Marine a mile away, right? Now, I don't know how they recognise each other. Because they all look like... Is it millennials, right? Um, yeah. We were... We were down at the... Uh, assault course. And we were watching a troop do... Um, they're doing the bottom field, right? Which is a phase of training you do after, like, I think, 12 weeks or something, right? My, my, don't quote me on that. And in between exercises, so your fireman's carry, you're, you're doing the assault course, you're, you're sprinting, you're all this kind of stuff, going in a tank, the sewage, you know, the septic tank full of kind of sewagey, stagnant water is what I'm trying to say. Right, in between all that, you're never allowed to stop moving. So you've got to, they call it double mark time. You've got to run on the spot. When we were in, you had to run on the spot. If your knees weren't coming up, you got flagged and someone would, you know, one of the corporals would come and have a word with you, right? When we were there, these guys were just making, they, well, some of them weren't even making the effort. They were just standing still. Like that never would have happened. And they were talking to each other. That was unheard of when I was in. You didn't talk. 
ever when you were outside of your room or maybe in a in a in a galley you know having your scran you didn't talk right um they were finishing like their fireman's carry and turning around and hugging each other now i'm all for that bit of man love bit of humanity right i'm definitely like that's a step forward in the marines right it's just it didn't happen when i was in you didn't even really shake hands or anything right you just didn't do it you did what you were told to do then you did the next thing right you definitely didn't hug and then uh hang on gonna sneeze yeah yeah it's an authentic podcast right so, yeah, you didn't hug and uh, and you certainly didn't stop moving, right? And that, and the other thing was, there were lads wearing glasses. Now, the, here's the thing. This is not discrimination against any form of disability, whether it's, you know, impaired sight. It's just in my day, you weren't allowed to join up if you needed glasses because you needed to be able to see, to have, you know, what do you call it, 20-20 vision when you're in the field. You had observation stances and you had to see, you know, something as something as small as that screwdriver or a bit of weapons kit stuck up in a tree. And I'm not saying you couldn't see that if you had glasses, but there's obviously a certain, uh, uh, you know, handicap wearing any kind of aid, right? And I'm going to be honest. You you prided yourself as a marine that 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 was the grade that you at the recruiting office that you couldn't you couldn't join if you needed glasses. Um. I mean, not just that, but then you didn't. You also you didn't have to work with. Um, how can we say, specky twats? Hang on a sec. Yeah. Um, where was I? Yeah. No, it's just a point that obviously they've lowered the the entry requirements haven't they because they need more boys to go off and fight these wars for them uh so all that said i'm just going to leave you with a story and this is a story of hansen and hansen was a guy joined up in my troop we were 558 troop the fighting 558 right now nah, we never we never called ourselves that but we joined up as this chap called Hanson, okay? In your first couple of weeks, when you're in that induction block or foundation, whatever it's called now, don't really know each other, you know? You don't know your ass from your elbow, really. You're just hoping that you can do all your stuff and do all your washing and your ironing and do your gymnasium stuff, right? Well, there's a chap called Hanson. And when we went on our first exercise, it's called First Step, right? I think that one's still the same, but 
you didn't do armed guard duty because we didn't have weapons. So they made up this bullshit, called it fire picket, right? It was just, it, it was to get you into the uh, habit of standing guard and getting up during the night. So if there's eight men in your section and there's eight hours of darkness, you're all going to do one hour, right? If it's 12 hours of darkness, you're going to do, you know, some of you are going to do one hour, some of you are going to do two hours, right? Anyway, I had to go and shake Hansen for his shift. And I went to find his bivvy and I'm like, Hansen, you're up. He's like, oh, okay, we'll be there. So I went back to the position. 20 minutes later, he still hasn't come. So I went back and got him again. Hanson, you're up. It's your stag. Come on. So he crawled out of his bivvy. Right? And you've got to, you know, be a bit tactical in the Marines, right? I mean, you can get bumped. This is called your harbour position. You can get bumped by the enemy at any time. You've got to be ready to go. And that is going to happen to you in training. Believe, believe me, right? Everything starts going bang and the sky lights up and you got to just get everything, especially a weapon, and, and bug out to the uh, emergency rendezvous point, right? So you sleep with at least a shirt on, your, your jacket handy. You leave your, your combat trousers on, right? And uh, you just it's basically take your boots off and even... And, and even then, you're encouraged to wear... We had Reeboks trainers, right? The reason you take them is when you're in your bag at night, you can put your running shoes on, right? That way, if you do... Um, if the enemy does hit you, you can get up quickly. and You don't have to worry about putting your boots. You just grab everything and go, right? So anyway, Hansen calls out of his bivvy... He's got nothing on except Bart Simpson boxer shorts. And I thought, I think this lad's a bit special. Anyway, that was my experience of Hanson. Back at the uh, foundation block, induction block, one of the Scottish lads, Stevie, went, uh, Hey, have you, have you, do you kin that uh, Hanson? Oh, I'll give the accent a miss. He said, Hanson, he, he sings at night. When everyone's going to sleep, he's doing his ironing and he's singing these lullabies, right? I mean, they're not lullabies, but that's how it comes across. So you've got these hard as nut, like, you know, Glaswegian guys. And and uh, Hanson's singing them off to sleep, right? So a couple of days later, we're all fell in on the playground. Our drill instructor, as always, is hungover. He did like a drink, that Corporal Smith. And he used to just leave us sitting on the playground for, for hours on end. Or he just used to send us back to the accommodation. We didn't actually do any drill until week 29. So th three weeks before passing out. Yeah, obviously we learned how to march and turn left and right, and that was about it, right? Because our Corporal, Corporal Smith was always hung over. Now, we sat there on the edge of that big parade ground at Limston, and Corporal Smith comes marching out with his hangover, right? He's got his pace stick under, under his arm, or is it that arm? I don't know. 
And he comes up, right, up to attention, men. So we all, like, form one big rank. He said, right, Hanson, prove. So Hanson puts his, puts his arm up, right? Corporal Smith says, Hanson, back to the uh, accommodation block now. Report to the troop office. So Hanson just trotted off and he was this kind of slightly portly shaped lad and even the way he ran was a bit soft, right? And uh, when he doubled off the parade square, Corporal Smith turned to us, he said, take one last look at Hanson, men. Hanson is a teddy bear. And there's no place in the Royal Marines for teddy bears. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris.Thrall. Thank you.